Hello, fifth graders. Welcome to another episode of Keeping Up with Room 305. The year is quickly coming to an end. Supposedly, we would have been having our last day of school on June 15th. That's two weeks away. But we're not in school, are we? So June 15th seems like just the date. But what we can do is we can imagine that it is really the last day of school and continue to work hard for another two weeks and finish off our fifth grade year strong. I know that seems funny to say, but close your eyes and imagine you're running a long, long race. You've been running that race all year long, right? And now the finish line is in sight. You can see it. Do you slow down? Do you sit down and take a break? Do you not run as hard? No, you see that finish line, right? And you speed up. You work a little harder to get there. And so here we are in our last two weeks of the school year. And hopefully we can finish strong together. Now, one thing I realize is that after Monday, a lot of you will be returning your Chromebooks. And so access to some of this stuff is going to become a little bit more challenging. I think what I'm going to do, fifth graders, is I'm going to post things for another week. And then after that, I'm going to leave it to you to finish any work in Google Classroom that you feel will help strengthen your skills. I'm going to leave it up to you to finish any projects that you're working on at your pace. Just because June 15th is the last day of school doesn't mean you have to stop working on your inventions or your fantasy stories or your biome projects or any projects you're working on, school-related or otherwise. I think some of the best learning that you've been doing has actually come from your own creations, your own ideas, your own thoughts. Fifth graders, all of that stuff can continue beyond June 15th. I'm going to leave Google Classroom open all summer long. That means if there's assignments that you didn't get to, or that you chose not to do at this time, you can feel free to go back in and work on those assignments. I'm not going to take anything down. I'm not going to archive anything until the end of the summer. So please, feel free to use those resources. Feel free to continue to practice with anything that's up there. As you know, fifth graders, I tried to put more up there than less so that you could access it at your pace. Now, I know some of you have gotten a lot of it done, and that's great. I know some of you have not gotten a lot of it done, and that's okay, too. There's no shame in that whatsoever. Some of us have been engaging in different types of projects. Some of us have been using our brains in different ways. Some of us have found our own things to work on during this time. Some of us have done parallel work. There are so many different ways in which people have been working. It is not all just Google Classroom. It is not all just this podcast. We all found ways to keep ourselves occupied and growing in ways that were meaningful to us and ways that were conducive to our family schedules. All right, fifth graders, I'd like to talk a little bit about race. It's important that we have these conversations. I wish we were all together to have these conversations. It feels challenging to just talk at you from a podcast. But 
Something is better than nothing. It's important to talk about race. It's important to talk about race from an early age. You're never too young to start talking about race. We must talk about race. Racism thrives in silence. It's important for us to acknowledge racial difference and how we treat each other. One thing we can all do is help each other understand racism and empower ourselves to work toward racial equality. It is important for students of color to feel proud of their culture and their right to self-advocate. It's important for us all to recognize our duty to stand up against injustice. We do see skin color. We do see racial identities, culture. For years at Bridge Street School, we have celebrated different cultures with a very special event at Bridge Street School. We celebrate cultural diversity. When we oversimplify racism, we tell each other that racism is simply bias against people based on skin color. It's not. That's colorism. Another problem that we can tackle later. Racism expands beyond skin color. It's assumptions and discrimination against individuals and groups of people based on racial identity. This includes not just skin color, but also cultural norms and behavior, language, and other markers of racial and ethnic identity. We are complex individuals who can't be reduced to the caricatures of mainstream media. Our ethnic heritage is something valuable, worth exploring, and our ancestors' traditions, achievements, and challenges have an impact on who we are today. It's important to be proud of that. We all have the right to pride in our heritage, just not at the expense of punching down another culture. Diversity makes us stronger. Having a broad range of experiences to draw from, mindsets to brainstorm, and abilities to solve the problems facing humanity is a very good thing. Human diversity is good for all of humanity and evolution. I'm pretty sure this is science. The idea that winnowing humanity into one make-believe super race or segregating us all into silos based on our racial identity is absurd. The important thing is, fifth graders, to educate yourself. Stay curious, stay brave, and talk about race. Talk with your families, talk with your friends. There are so many great books and even podcasts, articles, and people to speak with to help you become better educated. And this is important work, fifth graders. Thanks for listening, fifth graders. All right, so talking about math and our inventions, we're going to be winding this project down a little bit. If we were in class, we would be using our time and we'd be gauging our time to see what we have time for. Well, I guess with the way things are right now, it seems like we have plenty of time. So what I'll mention is a few things that we would be doing if we had more time at school. One of the fun things that we do with our inventions is we design commercials for them, fifth graders. You've invented, you've come up with a price, you know how much it costs to make it. Now it's time to start thinking about how to advertise this product. Who is your demographic? Demographic is a fancy word for who do you think are the group of people? What age level? I don't know. There's so many different factors. Who do you think would buy your product? For example, 
if I was selling a baseball? What type of people would be interested in a baseball? Baseball players? Softball players? Perhaps. If I was trying to market a fishing pole, who would I market that towards? People who fish, right? It's important to be general because you never know fifth graders who might be interested in your product. What we don't want to do is close anybody off. We don't want to assume that a wide variety of people wouldn't be interested in our product. All right, now that you've got your audience, is it a young audience? Is it an older audience? Okay. Then you think about how to market that product. Well, okay, I'm going to market my springy boingy thing to a younger audience. That means I'm going to make a commercial and I want it to air during younger programming. I might put that commercial, I might buy time for that commercial to land during a time when most kids are watching TV. And probably during a program that a lot of kids like. What's a popular TV show that a lot of kids are watching right now? Of course, then you could always go down the avenue of YouTube commercials and ads. There's a whole lot of things you can do, fifth graders. But let's try to keep it simple. Obviously, you can get as complex as you want with this. But keeping it on the simple side, I've got my idea of when I want it to play. I've got my target audience. Now i got to come up with a commercial. How can I advertise my product so that it seems appealing? How can I advertise my product so that people will be interested in it? I can't just say it's great, right? Because if I just say it's great, well, you're going to have to take my word for it, right? I can't just say my product is awesome. Because if it's not awesome or if it doesn't seem awesome, people aren't going to believe me. So fifth graders, you really have to think. You have to look at your product and see if you can find a way to advertise it. What can you draw attention to? What are the features of your product that you think people would be most interested in? Again, you can't just make general statements like, buy my product because it's awesome and so am I. Well, maybe you are awesome and, well, maybe your product is too, but no one's going to believe you if you don't have proof to back it up. Right? Right? Okay. So, you've got your idea for your commercial. Now you have to start thinking about how to make that commercial and what the script is going to be. Will there be music? Will there be sound effects? And you have to do all this in either 30 or 60 seconds, right? How long is a commercial? Do commercials go on for a long time? No, they don't. Why? Because if they did, people would lose interest, right? Commercials are generally very quick. They go by very quickly because the company doesn't want to bore you. They don't want to make you angry. Although, let's be honest, sometimes commercials can be really frustrating, right? You're in the middle of a great movie, right? Luke Skywalker is about to jump into the Sarlacc pit. Jabba the Hutt is looking on. He's about to go in and then bloop, we go to a commercial, right? Ugh, can't stand that. <laughs> but it happens, right? So your commercial, 30 to 60 seconds long. What are you going to do? Is it 30 seconds? Is it 60 Obviously, a 30-second commercial is going to be less expensive compared to a 60-second commercial, right? Do a little research. How much does it cost to buy advertising? There's so much you could do with this, fifth graders. And, of course, if we were in class, we'd be doing all of these fun things, gathering the information, talking about it. 
And though we can't do that, we can still have a little fun with the project. So I will say if you're done with your grid drawings and you're ready to move on to the next thing, advertising. Maybe you're going to take out a paper ad in a newspaper. Can you design an ad that you think would be eye-catching? What other ways could you advertise? What other ways could you get your product out into the world so that people know about it? The worst thing about a product is not knowing about it, right? And for those products that we know all about, well, it's because of good marketing. All right, fifth graders, let's move on to Dogs Don't Tell Jokes by Lewis Sacker. We are looking at chapter 13. Chapter 13. All right. We've got Gary, who has been keeping his jokes inside. This was a deal his parents made with him. $100 if you could do it. Keeping the jokes inside until the talent show. Well, what's he doing in the meantime? Gary is trying to assimilate. He's trying to make friends. And sadly, he's not having much luck with it, is it? Is he? And, of course, we had the conversation, well, one-sided conversation. I talked, you listened. Hopefully you're talking at home with people. What do you think about Gary trying to change himself in order to make friends at school? Do you think that's something he should be doing? Should you change what you're interested in and what you like to do and how you like to act just to make friends with other people? What do you think about that? Do you agree with that? Do you disagree? Do people have a social obligation to act a certain way or should people be allowed to just act any way they want? It's a really complex thing, isn't it? Because there are really good arguments on both sides. Again, fifth graders. It would be nice if we could have this conversation in class. I encourage you to have this conversation with the people in your homes. All right, here we go. Chapter 13. Miss Langley assigned four pages of math homework. Just pour it on, thought Gary. You're the faculty advisor for the talent show, but you don't care if I have time to make up jokes. He went to see her after class. No one else has signed up since yesterday, she said. He shrugged. That wasn't what he was going to ask her. He started to leave, then stopped. This isn't the only class I have, you know, he said. Pardon? Four pages is a lot of homework. Other teachers assign homework, too. I have to read a whole book and do a book report by Friday. How am I supposed to work on my act for the talent show if I have to waste all my time doing homework? Maybe if you had started the book report when it was first assigned three weeks ago, you wouldn't have this problem. He couldn't believe it. How'd she know that? He would have thought the teachers had better things to do than to talk about him. Goon, over here! Joe Reed called to him as he stepped out of class. Joe was standing out by the library. No one else was near. I thought of a great idea for a football play, said Joe, if you're up for it. Sure, said Gary. No clowning around? No clowning around, Gary assured him. Joe checked to make sure no one else was listening, then told Gary the play. Now, you sure you can catch? He asked. Gary nodded confidently. At least, he hoped he could catch. It had been a long time since anyone had thrown a football to him. For the first time since he'd seen the poster advertising the talent show, Gary thought about something else. He tried to imagine himself catching the football and running for a touchdown. He tried not to think about it. It was like he had said at the airport, daydreams never come true. If you imagine something happening, then it never happens that way. It was all he thought about, and all he didn't think about until fifth period, when the bell rang. He walked confidently toward the locker room. He wasn't a goon. He was part of Joe's team. Hi, goon, said Matt Hughes. How's it going, goon? asked Paul Wattenberg. He shrugged. 
Ever since he had told them he didn't want to be called Goon anymore, they said hi Goon to him whenever they saw him. At least they said hi to him. That was something. I'm ready, he told Joe as he joined the huddle. Joe ignored him. For the first play, Joe called a pass to Zack over the middle. What about me? asked Gary. Just like the ball, Goon. After each play, Gary looked to Joe, but Joe kept telling them him to hike the ball. He seemed to have forgotten all about their special play. What made it even worse was that nobody else seemed to be playing very well. Zack had dropped two passes. Brian missed one. Joe had been sacked twice. They were losing six to nothing. Joe looked desperately around the huddle. Anybody got any ideas, he asked. Goon, what about you? He felt a knot in his stomach. Can you catch? Asked Joe. Sure, no problem. Joe sighed. Nothing else seems to work. Play halfback. Take two quick steps to the side, and I'll throw you a short pass. Then you follow Zach around the end. Brian, you hike. It all happened very fast. Brian hiked the ball. Gary took two steps and turned, but the ball was already there. It bounced off his face. Joe was furious. I thought you said you could catch, he shouted. He shook his head in disgust. You're supposed to use your hands, not your face. His teammates laughed. Sorry, said Gary. It came too fast. Oh, gee, said Joe. Next time I'll underhand it to you. They returned to the huddle. Sorry, Gary said again. Joe called the next play. A long pass to Brian. You hike, goon. Gary hiked the ball, but way too short. It hit the ground a foot in front of Joe, and the play was dead. Can't you even hike the ball? Joe asked. Okay, same thing, he called, without even bothering to go back to the huddle. Except, someone else hike. W where do you want me to play? Gary asked. I don't care, snapped Joe. You can't catch. You can't even hike the stupid ball. Just get out of my sight, goon. I don't want to see your face. Gary walked with his head down almost to the sidelines. Almost. When the ball was hiked, he turned and ran upfield. No one was covering him. No one was near him. This was his play, exactly as Joe had planned it. He looked over his shoulder as Joe released the ball. It came spiraling through the air. He knew he'd drop it. He had known it all along. When Joe asked him first thing in the morning if he could catch, he knew then he'd drop it. But, in the back of his mind, he heard Angeline say, You have to be the ball. And for a nanosecond, he understood. The ball came down. His hands went out to meet it, and he gently cradled it against his chest. Everyone was charging toward him now, but he never broke stride as he continued running across the goal line for a touchdown. He held the ball in front of his face and stared at it as if he didn't know how it got there. Then he spiked it. My man, shouted Joe as he slapped Gary's hand high in the air. One by one, the players on both teams realized what had happened. It had all been an act. The drop ball, the bad hike, the goon had tricked them. Why didn't you at least tell your own team? asked Zack. I didn't want anybody to give it away, Joe said. Man, that was great, said Brian. He looked at Gary. You should be an actor. Gary was still out of breath. It was a great pass, he said. I'm just glad I didn't drop it. Perfect, said Zack. It wouldn't have worked with anyone else. But everyone already thinks you're a goon. No offense. That's just what everybody thinks. You know that. That's why it works so well. I know, said Gary. Zack held up his hand and Gary slapped it. There's a lot we don't know about old goon, Joe said. 
He grabbed the back of Gary's neck and playfully shook it like a puppy. I think he's just been sandbagging us all along. Chapter 14 As my neighbor's car alarm is going off. Gary rubbed his hands over his face as he stood in front of his open locker, which was crammed with books. He tried to remember what he needed to bring home. He was still pretty excited about his touchdown, but he had more important things to think about. Jokes. He hadn't made up any jokes yesterday, so he had to make up twice as many today. He pulled out his math book, then slammed his locker shut before the rest of the books could fall. He still had to finish reading the pirate book, too. Ira Feldman laughed. Gary turned. Michael told me what you said, said Ira. Gary didn't know what he was talking about. Maybe you can take it back, and they'll give you a new one, Ira said in a dumb-sounding voice that was supposed to be an imitation of Gary's. Gary remembered the Bob Brenly baseball card that one of the Higgins twins had showed him. So, Michael says you're going to start collecting baseball cards, said Ira. Gary shook his head. No. Oh, said Ira. You should. And there it was again. Why in the world should he collect baseball cards? I collect hats, he said. Ira looked at him, studying Gary like he might study one of his baseball cards. Why do you always tell jokes? Gary shrugged. He didn't bother to tell Ira that he actually stopped telling jokes. To make people laugh? Why? asked Ira. He shrugged again. People like to laugh. Ira thought about it for a moment. Yeah, I guess you're right, he said. Like it was true for other people, though not necessarily for him. Gary walked away talking to himself. Why do I like to make people laugh? What kind of question is that? Everyone likes to laugh. It's good to laugh. I should ask Ira why he collects baseball cards. That's what I should do. Goon, think fast! A football was coming at his face. He held up his math book just in time. The ball hit it and knocked it out of his hands. Joe and Zach laughed. Gary laughed too as he picked up the ball. Going long, said Zach. Then he took off. It took a moment for Gary to realize what he was supposed to do. And by then, Zach was too far. Gary threw it as hard as he could, but the ball landed way short as Zach ran back to try to catch it. You want to go play some football? asked Joe. Me? Sure. Zach threw the ball back to him. Gary planted his feet and waited to catch it, but Joe jumped in front of him and intercepted. Joe then immediately lateraled it behind his back to Gary, but Gary wasn't ready and it bounced off his summit. He picked up the ball, then his math book, and ran after Joe and Zach. Come on, you guys, hustle your butts, shouted Ryan Utt from the football field. They had all heard about Gary's trick play in gym class. That's great, goon, said Paul. I didn't think you had it in you. I didn't know you even knew how to catch. Or even which way to run the ball after you caught it, said Matt. Everyone laughed, even Gary. That's his secret, said Joe. He's just pretending to be a goon. You're just sandbagging everyone, aren't you? Gary smiled. He wished he knew what Joe meant by that. There was an odd number of players, and after much discussion, it was decided, in order to be fair, that Gary would be the designated center for both teams. Just until someone else comes, said Joe. You understand. Sure, Gary said. But I can catch too. I caught that touchdown. Everyone already knows the trick play, said Zach. It won't work twice. Zach and I have been playing together a long time, Joe explained. I know his moves. Besides, what's wrong with playing center? Asked Paul. You get to handle the ball in every play. That's right, agreed Brian. I sometimes go half a game without even getting to touch the ball. It's the most important position on the team, said Matt. It starts every play. 
Gary shrugged. He really didn't mind playing center so much, but if it was such a great position, how come nobody else wanted to do it? What do you think I am, stupid? You know the most important rule about playing center? Brian asked him. What? asked Gary. Don't let your butt get in the way of the ball, said Ryan. Then he cracked up. Gary laughed, too. He didn't want Ryan to think he didn't get the joke, even though he didn't. It was tackle, and everyone played a lot rougher than in gym class. Every time Gary hiked the ball, somebody knocked him backward. Hey, goon, said Matt. What do you call a snake that's about a foot long and has scaly green skin and two sharp fangs? I don't know. I don't know either, said Matt. But it just crawled down your pants. Gary had heard it before, but he laughed anyway. Actually, he'd expected Matt to say, it's crawling on your neck. He had to admit that down your pants was funnier than on your neck. But Gary had also thought of two other punchlines. What do you call a snake that's about a foot long and has scaly green skin and two sharp fangs? Sir. What do you call a snake that's about a foot long and has scaly green skin and two sharp fangs? Cecil. Why Cecil? Because that's his name. I'm sharp today, he thought. I'm so sharp I have to be careful I don't cut myself. He realized he should have been home making up jokes. Now all he really had time to do was go home, eat dinner, and do his math homework and finish reading that pirate book. Well, what's one day, he thought. One day doesn't matter. Besides, friends are important too. He hiked the ball. Then Paul knocked him backward. And that's where we'll stop for today, fifth graders. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to do my best to try to finish this book in the next couple of weeks while I still have your ears before summer officially starts. Take care of yourselves. Be well, fifth graders. Talk soon.